Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. not had a healthy week we really haven't guys persis and i are together we're sitting in the same room staring at each other yeah well i'm really actually staring into my mic and my back is towards you but i wish i could be looking at you all day well you can turn your chair a little bit towards me if you if you really wanted to look at me like you could i have an idea actually i'm gonna do this so persis moved her mic so she could stare into my eyes exactly it's a little bit of like a scary situation. Like the mic could potentially fall at any moment off of the little stool she has it on. But like, we like to live on the edge. I like a little risk in my life. Yeah. And you thought it was risky coming to see me for an entire week. And I feel like it was a risk worth taking. Oh, it's been so lovely. It has been. It's also flown by, don't you think? I know. Guys, Persis came on Monday and she's leaving tomorrow, Sunday. Yeah. And, and we have the sads. It really did go by really fast. I don't know what it was, but we did do a lot. We've gone to like a lot of restaurants. We've gotten a lot of food. We've been eating a lot. I think that's why we both feel like health is not at the top of our priority list this week. We've also been like having some drinks, which is fine, guys. It's fine. Like indulge. Indulge. But you know, there has to be a balance. Exactly. We did do a yoga class one day. Yeah, it was a good one. It was a, a flow. What, what kind? Of, yeah, it was a flow yoga class. And you did good. You were like stretching. It felt good. You're a little downward dog. But it was a nice class. That was probably like the only healthy thing we did this week. Oh, and we went to Bowen Island, which was really nice. And that was healthy. We like walked around. We mainly drove. And then we ate a lot of food. (laughs) Yeah, we went to Barcelona Tapas and had delicious tapas. I think that might have been one of my favorite like meals I've had here. Yeah. I think that and the Indian, we had Indian. So guys, just in case, we didn't even say this, but we're in Vancouver. So we're in Vancouver right now. Um, If you're in Vancouver, we had really great Indian at a place called Sula. Yeah, Barcelona Tapas was on Bowen Island. They had delicious num-nums. We obviously had Italian at Nook. It was delicious. We also had... Sushi? Sushi at Honey Pond on West 4th. We had... (laughs) Papa John's pizza. Papa John's pizza the first night because you got it. And we also had some brunch at Sophie's Cosmic Cafe on West 4th as well. Oh, one thing we also want to shout out is we met one of our listeners, which was so lovely. Yeah. Our listener, Catherine, was actually our very first mailbag that we ever had on the show. So she's been listening since day one and she lives in the Vancouver area. So we met up with her and had a coffee and we talked about life and we talked about podcasts. And it was amazing. Catherine, you're great. 
Yeah. And it was so cool to like meet someone who we didn't know before starting this podcast. And then we got to know through them listening and getting to know her story. And it was really cool. Yeah. It just goes to show like how important community is. And also like how it's easy to connect with people virtually. Like who would have known we'd be meeting up with a listener of the podcast so easily. Like we can just gain access to people like you know, it's scary. I'm not saying it's like always the safest thing, but I mean, Catherine's good times. We're good times. It was just nice because like if we didn't have social media, it would be so hard to be like meeting up with someone like that. Yeah. Hopefully we can gain access to more people. (laughs) Wow. You know, I didn't mean it that way. Or maybe you did. Maybe I did. But speaking of social media, I also did meet up with my old elementary school friend last night. Sarah and I went to dinner with her and then we went out Shout out to my girl, Hannah. I hadn't seen her since I was 10 years old because she moved to Vancouver from Ontario. So that was awesome. That was so fun to just like catch up with someone who I literally hadn't seen since I was like a young human. It was cute. So Hannah, if you're listening, hi. I love you. And it was so fun to see you. It was great. And it was fun to go dancing. Yeah, we've been having a good week. Yeah, it's been a great week. But... Every good thing comes to an end. Why do all good things come to To an end? end. I'm going to miss recording with you in the same room. Yeah, we recorded together for this episode. Yeah, for this conversation that you guys are about to hear. Yeah, and it's nice. Like, we can really pick up on each other's energies. It's easier in person than in Zoom. It definitely is. And also just like technology, right? Like, videos lag (laughs) and shit happens. We're like... I don't hear what you say or you don't hear what I say. So I hear everything that you're saying clear as a bell. Crystal clear. But Sarah, who did we have on for today's episode? We talked to a very, very cool, awesome person who we love. And I was actually thinking like, even though it's sad that this week together is coming to an end, it's like as soon as this ends, an amazing conversation comes out on the podcast. So it's like a beautiful ending and then a beautiful beginning because we talked to someone named Jane Lyon. Jane is amazing. She's a healer and a coach. She is a gay girl. She lives in Salt Lake City, Utah, and she's just all about spirituality. She loves yoga, energy healing. She reads the Akashic Records, which we learn what that means in this conversation. Uh, She also has a podcast called The Lioness Podcast, where she talks about the intersections of spiritual contemplations and queer life. And so she is just our spiritual guru guide. And we wanted to talk to her all about spirituality and queerness and how those two things connect. You know, Persa and I don't really know that much about spirituality. Persa has like dipped her toes in a little bit more than me. So we wanted to learn more. Like, what does it all mean? What is energy healing? How does it work? Yeah, I was really fascinated by this convo. And I'm someone who is all about energy and like, why we feel the way we do. I'm always very like fascinated by that. So getting to actually talk to an energy healer was really awesome. And I I really think there's a lot of inner work I need to do to really like learn to understand myself. And I'm really fascinated by like chakras. So I mean, I'm going to be hitting up Jane so I can learn more about all the things. Yeah, because Jane has amazing programs that she she talks about, like how you can work with her. And one of the programs she talks talks quite a bit about in the conversation is this chakra program that you go, you work with her for an extended period of time and you go through every single chakra and you learn what's being blocked and what you can maybe open up more. And 
for anyone who's listening to this intro and they're like, oh, I don't really like believe in spirituality or I don't care about spirituality. Listen, I hear you, but this conversation doesn't go into like, woo woo, I can't understand what you're talking about realm. It's very like, we, we talk about just like emotions and regulating our emotions through different methods like yoga, meditation, or something bigger like Reiki healing. Like it's, we kind of just talked to Jane about like, how spirituality can be like a very understandable, approachable thing in your daily life. It doesn't have to be like this intimidating intimidating idea. Yeah. And that's her main goal with her work is to bring like essentially Buddhism Mm -hmm. into like the young modern Western mind and make it like really easily understood and something you can like adopt into your own life really easily. Um, What I got from this conversation the most was really just like, listening to my body and the way it feels. Yeah. I I don't know. I I know that sounds so simple, but to really like pay attention to those signs. I don't know. It's just really cool. I'm really psyched for you guys to hear this convo. I really enjoyed it. Me too. And Jane is just like a fantastic speaker, a great listener. Like she has such like a warm... Uh, yummy soul like I just wanted to talk to her forever so Jane we love you so much thank you for chatting with us guys you can find her on Instagram at Jane of 801 and you can like DM her all of her infos there to see how you can like listen to her podcast and even work with her if you want to and she's incredible and we're hoping to have her back on the podcast sometime to talk even more about all of this stuff and like really dive deep if you guys are interested in it let us know because we'll just keep exploring it because we think it's kind of cool and interesting too Excited to meet you. You are catching us at a very exciting time because we never record together ever, ever, ever. I live really? in Vancouver and Purse lives in Toronto. So we literally are never together. And so this is the first time we're recording together and we're like, tech no difficulties. Way. Like, how does it work? And we don't both fit oh into the gosh. screen very nicely. I'm so happy I get to be a part of this. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. We were like, I wonder if the dynamic's going to be different now that we're like sitting together, but I think it'll be the same. Yeah. Now I can just spark us look into your eyes. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you guys are such cute friends and I just love what you're doing and I Thank appreciate you. everything. Yeah. Thank you so much. Where are you located? I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. That's where the if Olympics you're, if you're were. Familiar with it. And I remember Mary Kate and Ashley had a movie called Getting There where they had to get to the Olympics. Is that where it was? In Salt Lake City. That is so funny. I forgot about that. Oh, that was one of my favorite MK and Ashley movies. Oh, and they were 16. They had cars. They were like very cool. I mean, all of their movies, they were the coolest girls ever. Passport (laughs) to Paris was my number one. What was your fave, Jane? Billboard Dad was my number one do you remember billboard dad that was a good one. <laughs> oh that just like sent me to another realm did they try to make an advertisement or something for their mm-hmm. dad to like meet they them? made one themselves that's what, that's what i was trying climbed up and put it up themselves <laughs> and i remember they were wearing like head to toe black yeah mm-hmm. so cool so welcome to our show so excited to have I you love this thank you guys i appreciate it i'm really happy to be here 
Yeah, and we haven't covered this topic yet, so this is like totally new territory for us. Let's dive into it and talk about all the things. But first oh of all, just to like ease into it, just tell us, for us and our listeners, anyone who doesn't know you, tell us about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so I'm Jane. And I am, you know, I have a kind of a unique career. It's, it's very hard to wrap it up into one thing. And so I typically refer to myself as a yoga teacher because I teach all the things that are encompassed in the yoga. But um, yes, I teach asana yoga, but really what I'm here to do, I have a big background in Buddhism. I'm a Buddhist practitioner and I'm here to carry on that wisdom and kind of make it westernized, make it graspable for the Western mind, and to kind of, um, in a more secular way, bring some of these teachings into, into awareness, into the, the youthful Western mind, with you know the intention to simply relieve suffering, help people find their own ways to happiness, help people transcend their suffering in, in whatever ways that I can. And so that in like the overall grand scheme of things, that's what I'm here to do. You know, the work of the Bodhisattva, the work of spreading the Dharma and, and just in helping people open up their hearts to their compassionate nature. And the way that I do that is through teaching yoga, meditation. I read the Akashic Records. I'm a Reiki practitioner. And really, once I found kind of the online coaching world, I was like, oh, there, that's what I am. Because I run a lot of groups of girls and I do a lot of one-on-ones. And at this point in my career, I'm all online. Do you teach? And even for yoga. Oh, wow. That's so great. Yeah. So I started a virtual yoga studio when the pandemic started. I have very consistent students and winter was starting and we couldn't practice outside anymore. And I was like, I know this is the worst idea ever, but can we keep practicing through Zoom through the winter? And they were like... We'll try it. And that was two years ago and we're still going we're strong. strong. And we built the community and I have all these on-demand videos and there's all this content there now. And it's, it's kind of cool. I never thought I'd be recording myself doing all of this stuff. But, but it really works because I, I even feel like you don't think you could do yoga virtually because you don't know if you're getting that same type of feeling. And especially the transition of like being outside. I think yeah. it's like yoga outside just hits different. It so, really yeah. does. But at least with virtual, there's still so much opportunity and you're probably getting students from all over. That's the fun part is that I have some students in Hawaii who can never even make the live calls, but they watch the replays. I have some friends in Europe who will like pop in in the afternoon because they know that at some point in the day, I'm going to start my class. So yeah, it went from being just Salt Lake City based to being able to just expand to anyone who... You know, so much of finding a teacher of any spiritual form is like, you just got to resonate with them. Mm-hmm. And, and so if I can do that for you, I love that I can send you a link and just like give you that. Just snap my fingers. Yeah, I do think COVID has been a blessing in, in that way. Like for a lot of people being able to find that they can do their thing that they love and they can do it online. And they can actually reach more people by doing it online. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Business has been very good since all of this started. Good. That makes me happy. It's like a weird silver lining. Sometimes I feel weird talking about COVID in like a positive way, but Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, like positive things really came out of it. Yep. Or brought out like some projects too that you didn't think you would do, like with the busyness of what life Mm -hmm. was before. It was a bit of a pause. Oh yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. The best pause in the world. 
we want to dive into all of it. I guess maybe to start off purse, maybe we can just really quickly say like what our personal experiences are with spirituality. And I know that's like a very massive umbrella, Mm -hmm. but like we're both a little bit in the dark, I think, about spirituality. There are things we know and things we know nothing about. We were talking about this earlier. I would say, I don't know if skeptic is the right word. I don't think skeptic's the right word, but I might be a little bit more in that realm of like, so I can't always connect um, with spirituality on the way that I see other people. And Persis is the opposite. I'm the opposite. I feel like I can, I say I'm more spiritual, but I'm still in the dark, but I actually, I do understand it. And I mm. want to learn more about it because I tend to be a bit more of like a, uh, like I, I really am like a believer, I guess I should yeah. say. And like energies. And I think I could be, but I'm not, it hasn't connected for me before. My connection to spirituality comes through yoga. I practice yoga almost every day. And I, yeah, I, I love it so much. And that hasn't been a lifelong thing. It's just been over the past six months or so. But I feel the feet, I feel the feels in yoga. I feel why <laughs> people love yoga so much. I used to okay. never get it. I get it now. So I feel like that's my okay. main tie to yes. everything you just said. Like that's the main thing that I really connect with personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even just that, that moment that you just spoke of that you get it. Like I was just talking to one of my clients about this today. When that, that moment happens, it's because you're doing so much energy work on your body and you're opening up all of these knots, like literally you're activating your chakras and then you're like, whoa, I feel really good. And I'm very science-based. I'm very like down to earth spiritual. And so I totally feel for you. I've also always been just a spiritual kid. So I feel your side as well. Mm-hmm. But the as I, as I got more into Buddhism and as I stepped into a role as teacher, that's when I got really into being able to like, get this down to a science and really help you understand what's going on so that it's not really that you have to believe it. It's that you're like, oh, I am feeling it. I'm experiencing it. I think that's why like skeptic feels wrong because I agree. I don't think it's something that you like believe in or you don't because it's such a broad umbrella of like Mm -hmm. spirituality can be so many things under the sun. Mm -hmm. So I, I think like I absolutely have the capacity to feel and experience mm-hmm. it. It's just a matter of like, I do think it is like being led and taught mm-hmm. by someone who knows how to lead you to that experience. I think that's an important step if you're wanting to walk the spiritual path. And I'm just recalling something that I heard you say in one of your like recent episodes. You guys said something about how you were out dancing and you said, like, that's where we get spiritual. You said something like that. Oh, and yes. Boy. So they're spiritual. They get it. Because to me, like, I talk about that all the time. That actually, being in a crowd, moving together, is one of the most tribalistic, somatic healing experiences that we can give ourselves. It's like that's when so you're cool. in a group flowing through a yoga thing, same yeah. thing. But when you're in a crowd, it's dancing to a beat. Like, again scientific proof that it is the best thing you can do for your nervous system especially if you're singing your heart out heals the vagus nerve it's like i'll just cut myself off there or else i'll go off on a tangent it makes sense (laughs) that makes me so happy i feel like people can think dancing in a crowd is like a little bit frivolous or like 
Uh, immature or something you know what I mean like you wouldn't think of it as like something for your actual health and well-being it's very euphoric me healthy yeah me too Mm -hmm. and it's like connection as well like like you kind of said you're all like moving together you're all dancing to a beat that's a form of connecting with others Mm -hmm. not through words just through movement and music baby yeah music's a big one one of the things that we really are interested to talk to you about is like how queerness and spirituality connect because obviously we are a queer podcast. So if you would feel comfortable sharing a little bit about how you identify, first of all, and then maybe your coming out story or your coming out stories. Beautiful. So I think that queer is just my favorite word to use these days at this point in my life because it allows for so much fluidity. So that is how I identify. And the funny thing about my coming out story is that it is completely aligned with my spiritual awakening. So during college, I was in a hetero relationship. It was long distance. I was you know, being faithful and I was so depressed. Like I know, I know everyone got, you know, not everyone's mental health was great in college and mine wasn't. And it was like just bad, bad, bad. I was just spiraling downward. And the end of that story is when I decided to go to a Buddhist temple because I, I, I got to this point where I was, I was desperate for like anything to just relieve some of the suffering. And I, and I, I knew, I knew that meditation or like I had practiced yoga but I knew there was like something underneath it that I like was missing like something more I needed to learn and I the more I studied the more I realized like you like you said you need to find a teacher you need to find a guy that can like help you figure out where you're headed yeah and so I was on this search and when I moved home from college I discovered a Buddhist temple was in downtown Salt Lake City with like llamas and rinpoches and an eight-week introductory course I saw this advertisement and it was like that's it it was like this full body like I'm doing that thing and I like didn't tell anybody and I was kind of like going to this Buddhist temple every week all quietly and and at the same time like I knew that I was closeted but it was like I knew it, it it like saddens me to think back on how it was just like there's no way I'm ever going to let this leave my body. Like, how am I ever going to come out? It was just like, I, and, and I, at the time, I didn't realize it was like one of the main causes as to why I was so depressed. I really thought that I could like, just kind of shake it off and keep staying with this guy that I was with and just like keep building the life I was trying to live. And I keep going to this Buddhist temple by myself and sitting and learning and meditating and like feeling really good. Like every time I left, I just, I felt better. And people always ask me, how did you know you wanted to be Buddhist? And I'm like, I would go, I would leave, I would feel better. I would go again, I would leave, I would feel better. About like six months into pretty serious practice, there was a night when we were like two hours in and my best friend in college at the time was getting ready to leave to Italy with her boyfriend. And I was really upset about it. And I'm sitting there in this practice. I love how both of you guys did. <laughs> we're, like, like, we're like, we're like waiting, we're waiting. Like, yeah. We're upset. So okay. I'm sitting there in this practice. And mind you, like, I'm the youngest person at this Buddhist temple. Like, I was 21 at the time. And, and it's this two-hour practice. And it's a strict tradition. Like, you go in, you do your bows, you sit down, you do not get up until the, the Rinpoche leaves. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like reeling over how upset I am about, you know, my friend leaving. And I'm, I'm really deep in this prayer and this meditation. And I literally feel like my body like 
sits up, turns around, looks at me and is like, you're sad that she's leaving to Italy because you wish she was taking you because you're in love with her. It was literally like I shook myself. Wow. And I was sitting in there like I wanted to run out of that place. Yeah. But it is very rude to run out of a temple like that. Right. And I was forced to sit there and stay with that like awareness. And I think that like past times in my life, I might have ran out and like gotten really drunk or like gone and just like done reckless things to try to like, again, just push the feelings down. Mm-hmm. And I had to stay there and be held in that place until the practice ended. And it was like the practice helped me like come into that place with myself. And I went home that night and I told my boyfriend, like, I'm in love with my best friend and no way. I'm pretty sure I'm gay. And like, we got to figure this out. Oh my God. Yeah. And he, and he was kind of like, not shocked. <laughs> it's like the way you talk about her, like all these things, you know, he was kind yeah. of like privy to it. Right. I don't, I don't think he saw how quickly we were going to break up after that. I thought right. that he also thought we could work through it. But so I convert to Buddhism completely, do the whole ceremony. And then like, so I tell everyone, like, I just converted to Buddhism, blah, blah, blah. I was raised super Catholic. So it was kind of a big deal. And then like two weeks later, I'm kind of like, also, I'm moving out of my boyfriend's house and I'm gay and I'm kind of homeless right now. And like, I'm just trying to figure things out. And I really need everyone to just, just like give me a break right now. You had like just so many moments of like, yeah. okay, this is me. Girl. Yeah, It's like a huge awakening. It was just like the longest road to getting there. And I'll never forget this. And I love telling my coming out story because it was like, I had nothing, like literally everything crumbled. It was so hard. And like, my family thought I was like cheating on my boyfriend and a lot of my friends weren't really sure what was going on. And there was all these kind of words about me and like here where I live, like just everybody talks. And Mm. I like called my friends. I had like a few friends, like, can I crash on your couch tonight? Like I'm coming over. And those nights of going to sleep, I was just like, girl, all you have is you. Like all you have is you. And you're going to carry yourself through this and I constantly look back on that 21-year-old and I'm just like, you, thank you, girl. Like, you did such hard work to get me where I am now. And I was so afraid that my whole world would crumble. And it did because I was living in a fake world. I didn't want to live in that world. It had to crumble. And now I'm living in an authentic world. How did your parents react? Just like, because you were growing up super Catholic, I'm really curious what their reaction was. My parents were pretty liberal for, you know, their upbringing, actually. Um, My mom, like, took me to Pride when I was in third grade. And it's funny, because of that, because she was so open, like, we had these amazing two husbands that designed our whole house that were always in our house working. Like, I, I, she had, we had plenty of representation, but I all, you guys probably don't know, like, much about Salt Lake City since you're from Canada, but It's really, really religious here, extremely conservative. There's an LDS Mormon religion here. So it's like Catholicism, then the conservative religion being raised around like mostly white Christian cis people. Like it was interesting. My mom struggled because she was like, I've always been so open. Like I take you to pride every summer. Like, why couldn't you tell me? And it was so hard to be like, mom, like, it's not about you. Like, you did great. (laughs) It's your own internal, like, feeling. And it has nothing to do even, I like that you said that, because sometimes it doesn't have to do with the people you're 
coming out too, because you, you know, you could be welcomed with open arms, but at the same time, you're probably also confused. Like you've been with your boyfriend. It's kind of like, we talk about this all the time on the podcast. We live in a heteronormative society and Mm -hmm. Salt Lake City is already very conservative. I mean, there's so many things in your head. You're like, this probably isn't me, even though I accept it in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. It's like, we were at a very young age, like at five years old, I learned very quickly, like, you don't kiss girls. <laughs> you don't try that with them. It's not okay. And that will shut you down for life. And so, yeah, I learned very quickly, like, you like boys. Boys ask you out to dances. Like, there is no other option. I think we've heard a lot of coming out stories, especially when it comes to parents, where whoever it is you're coming out to, the parent, the friends, like, even like the partner will it's really hard for them to not take it on and to say what did I do wrong why couldn't you have told me and like without even realizing it make it about themselves and one of the things we talk about on here when it comes to coming out is like just listen Mm -hmm. listen like if someone's coming out to you this is like maybe the biggest moment in their life and you are supposed to be there just to listen and support Sure, do your own introspective work, but I just wanted to point that out because it doesn't ma- it doesn't mean that your mom is selfish. It doesn't mean that she's a bad person. It's the instinct, it's the reaction. But the more we talk about this, the more maybe people can have it in the back of their mind. Like your job there is to listen and to not make it about you in this moment. Yeah. And I always say to my my students who are wanting to come out or even just share any part of themselves, it should be received as like, thank you for giving me more of you to love. Thank you for showing me more of you to love. Because that's really the benefit. People find more of you that they get to love. And it's so much better to be out about whoever you are, whatever that is, than to keep hiding. And I guess I'll just keep hitting that message as much as I can. Yes, girl, hit that message. That's a beautiful message. And that's like, you know, that's the one that needs to be heard. And it it might even feel obvious, like an obvious message or something, but it's not Mm -hmm. like it needs to be, you need to continue to say these things out Mm -hmm. loud in like as many places as possible. Yeah, just continue to create that safe space. Yes. We wanted to talk to you about like how you got interested in spirituality from the jump. And I was curious, as you were telling your story, what led you to Buddhism specifically? Like, was there, did you see something one day that you thought, oh, that's interesting. Buddhism, what's that? Yeah, that's such a good question. So growing up, I was always kind of a spiritual kid. Like if we were at the like Barnes and Noble CD store, like I would want to go find the meditation CD and listen to that. Like I was just (laughs) like, yeah, I feel like looking back, my mom was probably like, who is this kid? But I just, I was always very like in my head, head in the clouds type of girl. So I was always very spiritual and I really loved being Catholic, like going to mass and sitting in prayer and the incense and the lights and just like I liked the spiritual side of things, praying on the rosary, all of that. And so I was always pretty, pretty spiritual growing up. And I do think I had a, I don't know, a small Eastern influence because my dad just, he did business in Asia every year and he would bring Mm -hmm. back things. And I feel like I kind of had this curiosity about, about things from the East growing up. And there were a couple of coffee book, uh, coffee table books on the Dalai Lama just at my house growing up. So 
we, we kind of had a little bit of that Eastern influence. And I always wonder if my parents even read those books, but I did. Like I knew the story of the Dalai Lama just growing up from reading those books. And I always knew about Tibet and I always felt concerned about it. And when I was 18, I went to Cambodia and um, just because I, I, I wanted to go do a project there when I turned 18 and I did. And I kept seeing, you know, monks, Theravada monks with their orange robes on. And I was just like, who are they? What are they doing? Can I talk to them? Do they speak English? Like it was this really weird, like, I got to know what's going on there. And I eventually got to sit with some of them and hear about, you know, just the story of the Buddha. And I was just like, I'm really into this. Yeah. And then college came, the, the depression, the, the, the whole like really difficult time. And as I started looking for books on how to meditate, the first book I grabbed called How to Meditate was written by a Western Tibetan Buddhist nun. And I just kept noticing, like, I keep coming back to this Tibetan thing. Every book I would grab, it would be like, oh, this is by the Dalai Lama or oh, like this is. And so I found that to be interesting. And I felt like I was always curious about Buddhism, but I continued to explore. I studied Kundalini. I even hung out with like some Christian mystics, did some Zen Buddhist stuff. And when I saw that ad for the Tibetan Buddhist temple, it was like, once again, here we are. What's with this Tibetan thing? Mm. And I walked into that building and was just like, it is designed to look just like a, a temple in the Himalayas. And just, I walked in and it was just like, oh, this is it. Like, this is where I'm meant to be. And as I started learning the prayers that are all in Tibetan, they just flowed out of me. That's my, my girl. Way. Yeah. My, my partner, she is Buddhist also, which is, I guess, later in the story. And she's <laughs> just like, how do these words come out of you? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just this in you. When, yeah. This is when I get into like the past life stuff that I'm like, I really think this is. That's cool. You know? I love talking about this stuff. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's I one of Pris's favorite topics. Good, good. Okay, familiarity is like, good. Getting a little woo woo, but yeah, that familiarity, it's to, and now I'm more and more sure in a past life I was doing this work. And that's why I'm a white girl who's like in Nepal, dressed like a nun, like acting like one because it's right. just. But it feels so right. Funny. And you don't even know why, but you're like, this just feels right to me. And you know, the, the country of Tibet is like completely fallen. Their culture is, is dying. And mm-hmm. I've been given this responsibility to like carry on this indigenous culture as a Western educated white person. So I'm right. just like, I'll do that. Like I will do that as best as I can. The feeling of knowing, I, I think that's actually a very rare feeling. I don't know if I've ever experienced that feeling in the way that you just described it. I feel like we're going to dive into this, like maybe a little bit later in our conversation, but I guess like spoiler alert, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you and I want to maybe get into like, how to tap into that kind of knowing, like how to tap into your body in a way where you have the opportunity to feel that kind of knowing. Cause I think you have, like you have to, there's a few steps you have to like unblock first before you can even get to that feeling you had when you walked into the temple because I'm 27 and I've never, you don't don't think you've had that feeling. I don't think I've had that. Like, have you ever Mm. had that kind of feeling before? No, I don't think so. It just sounds beautiful. And it makes me feel like I want that. (laughs) Me too. My mom has talked about similarities like she's had where she's had these feelings of like belonging and it's in her. Like she's She's very spiritual. My mom is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of where like I had that influence from her. 
but I think there is some like untap, like tapping into me that I need to do and unblock some stuff going on. It's a process, but I, I really it's want to. Scary process. It's a scary process. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think you're right. Like, so I, I have this um, online program that I um, run called Sanctuary, and we work through each chakra literally, energetically. We do the work. Like there's so much more that goes on in the chakras than just like the rainbows and the symbols. Yeah. And so we work, we spend two weeks each week working through each one and it's a 14 week whole program. And wow. kind of what you're describing is what happens is like, we kind of break through some of these levels and we realize like, oh, that's what I'm excited about. That's what I'm passionate about. That's my purpose. Like, oh, it's, it's kind of part of the awakening process. So yeah, when that question, when that time comes, we can get into that. Me too. Well, we wanted to ask you about coaching. Like this might be, we, before we dive into all of that, we just wanted to, from the top, let our listeners know, like, what is your coaching like? Like, what, how can our listeners potentially work with you? Like, what kind of services do you offer? Sanctuary sounds incredible. Thank you. Yeah. So the, the first kind of entry point is my Sunrise Virtual Yoga program that I kind of already mentioned. We meet Tuesday, Thursday mornings for like live Zoom classes. And I post the replays onto our membership site where there's like over 100 replays now, yin classes, guided meditations, miniature classes. So if you want to get into yoga, you can get in there. It's, it's a cheap membership. And then I have a six-week meditation mastery course um, that's also just there if you want to get into it. It's more along the traditional ways that I've been taught. Um, and then I have Sanctuary, which is my group program. We're in the middle of it right now where a group of amazing women get together and we work through the chakras together in the way that kind of I've learned as an energy healer. Um, but also in, it's very self-development with spirituality built into it because it's all contained in the chakras. That's what mm -hmm. I believe. Um, and then I just do my one-on-one -on -one mentorships on top of that. So I have like, I'm doing a little quantum Reiki self-healing practice at the end of the month where I teach, uh, I teach my group basically self-healing. So all Reiki healers have a self-healing practice that they do on themselves, but they don't teach it to others. And I just thought that that was silly. So during the pandemic, I decided to just start teaching it to everyone. And I realized that when we do it in a group setting, the field gets like really potent and it's a really amazing healing experience so if you're curious about reiki that's a little workshop i have coming up. very cool reiki is fascinating yeah i don't know anything about it but one of my good friends curious. just got her just became a reiki master and she's been talking about it for years and every time she talks oh, really? about it i'm just like oh my gosh i it's like one of those things that i struggle to wrap my head around but it's like definitely very fascinating you should get a session with her shout out to becca and you have your own podcast I do. Thanks for mentioning that. <laughs> yes. Tell us more about yeah, it. Tell us more. I was a writer for a long time. I ran a blog for a while and I was a journalist for a long time. And um, I started to get really just agitated with my writing, like really, you know, spending all day trying to make like a perfect blog post. I was like, I'm losing the joy in this. And I kept getting this idea of like, that's why podcasting's dope. And I kind of kept avoiding it and avoiding it and avoiding it. And finally, I was just like, I think there's not enough queer podcasts out there like what you guys are doing. And I kind of got more comfortable with the idea that like, I'm here to fill a gap. Like, and there's not a lot of people talking about queer, queer life and spirituality like I am. So I just was like, I just set a date 
I got my little lavalier mic and I just like forced myself to hit record for an hour and see what came through. And I just, I just started talking about Tibet and the Dalai Lama. That's incredible. And I was like, that was fun. And then I kept making it every week and my students and, you know, my followers started listening and um, it feels like a really easy way to support my community for free. Yeah. And it's, it's like kind of like my favorite part of my work right now. <laughs> Ooh, I love you know, it. It's just so effortless and I'm inviting such cool people onto the show and yeah, you know, I'm loving it. So thanks for asking about that. And you can listen to it anywhere that you get podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spotify, yeah. Apple, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Okay, sweet. Yeah. The Lioness podcast. Yes. It's called Lioness podcast, spiritual contemplations. What a great name. That's a great name. Well, Maybe Jane we Lyon. Jane oh, oh my God. I just got that. <laughs> oh, sometimes people don't get that. They're like, so why lion? I was just like, you know, lioness energy. It is, but it's yeah, also exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's why you have me. All right, what would I do without you? I honestly don't know. Okay. Let's dive into spirituality a little bit. How would you describe spirituality in your own words? And I love what you were saying at the very beginning about how you're trying to bring Buddhism and spirituality into like the modern young mind, Western mind too, and like make it accessible. So we wanted to kind of talk to you about like, I know you said woo-woo as well, which I think sometimes can be like a bit of an offense. Like sometimes when people say woo-woo, I get a little offended for people who are spiritual because... Like, I, I think there are ways to talk I about, that. you know, it just some, yes. it feels a little icky sometimes. Like, yeah. even when I say it, I feel a little icky. And I think we can talk about spirituality in a way that's very accessible and relatable. Yes. I think that that is so PC of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so- <laughs> it really is. I think this podcast has made me like more PC. <laughs> it has. It really has. Yeah. Spirituality. Okay. So I think the reason why... Okay. The first thing that comes to mind is that I got my degree in environmental studies. And sometimes I think that's maybe why I got so depressed in college because the earth is falling apart, you know, and it's it's quite sad. And what I realized is that we forgot that we're connected to the earth, that the earth made us. So imagine the most spectacular place you've ever been. You know, you're in Hawaii and you're looking at this incredible waterfall on this like mountainside next to the ocean. And you're just like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And you just feel that amazingness. Like that is you. Like that waterfall, that beauty is your body. That's It's just the same, you know, and that Mm -hmm. energy, the waterfall, like the energy is flowing through you. We have it too. And, and I guess that's just a random like analogy that came to mind, but it's like the earth created us. We are from the earth and it doesn't get much more to me. It doesn't get much more spiritual than that. Like we can talk about the celestial realms and all the dimensions and the universe and all of that, but it's like, let's come back down to earth. This magnificent planet created us. Mm-hmm. And we evolved to be these like conscious beings that like build homes and we're talking to each other in two different countries right now. Right. Yeah. Like it's pretty magical when you really think about it. And to me, like that's the easiest way to remind people that you are a divine being mm-hmm. and you are inherently spiritual. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us are just not tapped into it. 
Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. What I want us to tap into is just the opening of the heart, the infinite love that we have to share. Like if we could do that, then we'd be good. I don't need everybody to be like, oh, we're so spiritual. We're so divine. We're so tapped in. But like if we could all just at least access the infinite love that we have available in our hearts, that's spiritual, you know, unconditional love is spiritual. And so, yeah, there's so many other ways that I could try to get into it to explain it to your audience, but it's, it's remembering that you're just as magical as the earth and the stars and the universe and, and maybe letting that bring a little more light and joy into your life. You know what? Actually, I feel like I had a bit of a spiritual moment last summer when we climbed the mountain in Squamish, where I really took a second to actually just like look out at the views. And I Mm -hmm. really had a moment of of that feeling, which is so funny Mm -hmm. that you said that, where I was like, this is life. This is me. This is Sarah. This is Camille. Like I had a moment (laughs) of just like, wow, the earth is beautiful. Just Mm -hmm. what what I was looking out into is like nature. And I think I'm in such a busy city. I'm in Toronto and I feel like it's very Mm -hmm. easy to just like forget and you're so wrapped up in like the busyness of life. Mm -hmm. But as I just stood there taking everything in, I felt like I connected with Mm -hmm. my spiritual side when I'm trying to do that in my everyday. But sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll admit like I don't and it causes a lot of unwanted stress. Witnessing nature. And when when the Buddha attained his enlightenment, you, you'll see his image. He has his hand touching the earth and he's saying, the earth is my witness and I'm witnessing the earth. And he has this, this teaching where he, where he holds up a beautiful flower and someone in the audience like spontaneously becomes enlightened because the flower was so beautiful that it just like in a moment he had a realization and he became enlightened. And, and that's something I love about Buddhism is that the Buddha really connected to the earth as a way to witness us as spiritual beings. So I love that experience. Wow. It's beautiful. Yeah. I thank you so much for that description because I think it's so funny as you were talking, I was thinking once again about that feeling we were talking about the knowing feeling and how I think the only time I've come close to that knowing feeling or that feeling of like maybe spirituality are in three three different like times not singular but three experiences one being in in nature in nature that like leaves me speechless two is looking at the stars acknowledging space and universe as a concept and then three is being in love mm-hmm. i think like the when i've been in love i have that has been like the closest I've come to like a spiritual kind of knowing feeling. Mm-hmm. And you said all three of those things in your description and I, and I can make that connection so clearly and easily just like you could with like the top of the mountain. Yeah. And that like automatically makes me as I'll keep using the word skeptic, um, <laughs> understand that feeling, that spiritual feeling, that infinite love feeling. I can connect to everything you just said. And that's kind of exciting. That is. Yeah. And, you know, I think that this, this is where I bring in, um, you know, so that's a very simple like way to connect with your spirituality. But the way that I like to think about spirituality is just like we see this wild freedom in nature. How can we as humans access that freedom? Because we have created the structure of world around us, right? Even just living on the grids that we live in and the cities that we live in, we're really, we're living in this very structured world and we can see a mirror for that being heteronormative society. Like we're living in these boxes, everything is in a grid, we're living in this black and white. 
And that's why like the more that I kind of awakened, the more that I was like, this stuff is all like twisted together. It's all the same because the more free I become, like the more queer I become, the more queer I become, like the more free that I am, you know? And, And I started to feel that deep connection between spirituality and just like, you know, when we really think about what does it mean to be queer, this is a conversation I have so often is we all just want freedom. Mm-hmm. Like for a long time, it was like, we just want the freedom to love who we love. And then it was like, we want the freedom to, you know, express our gender however we want. And then it was like, we want the freedom to be fluid with who we love and with our gender. And now it's, mm-hmm. now I'm getting to a point where I'm like, we just want the cue that means that we're free and everyone's flowing with that and we're all good. And that to me is the same thing as awakening. Yeah. We just want to have that freedom from our suffering and from the boxes that are holding us down, the society that's keeping us small, you know, Mm -hmm. it's all the same. Right. And maybe we can skip ahead a bit and talk about queerness and and spirituality. And Mm -hmm. I think like what you just described, I feel like that's why a lot of people, when they come out, they say that they have, it's almost like a spiritual experience when they're coming out because, Mm -hmm. or even when they realize they're queer, even before they've come out to people Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. are, and it's like this layer of, of relief, almost like this new found freedom that they like, do you feel like that this freedom, this idea of freedom is the main thing that connects queerness with spirituality. I do. Yes. I I think also the, this idea of like deep authenticity, which I guess we could like maybe directly relate to freedom, but yeah, it's like the more authentic that I can be, the more free I can be. And yeah, I think like whenever I'm thinking about like, what am I here to do? What am I here to share? Who Like freedom, freedom. Like I just want freedom for more people, liberation for more people, you know? For sure. Well, and I talk a lot about as, I'm not sure if, if you know, I am identify as straight. And so what I talk about a lot on this pod is how much I learn from learning about the queer experience. And freedom is, is the number one. Mm-hmm. Freedom and authenticity is the number one thing that inspires me, makes me understand my relationship to my sexuality more. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I... I do think like understanding how spirituality and queerness connect is not just a good thing for queer people to understand. It's like it's it's exactly. every human can understand everyone better if they understand that connection. Okay. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I've also seen that in you as well. Like the more I you've grow. learned, yeah, your growth. Like we've lived together for seven years. And so mm. like from 20 till literally like 27. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, I've seen that growth in Sarah too, just like your understanding. Mm-hmm. And I mean, me too. I mean, I'm, I also have to do a lot of growing, but it's just. Yeah, girl. I would say your growth experience was, was like wild. wild child compared yeah. to mine. True. But it was amazing to watch and to witness. Yeah. It was like witnessing freedom. Because I felt the same way when I finally came out as gay. Mm-hmm. It was like, I mm-hmm. felt a spiritual awakening because internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just felt like, okay, I'm finally me. And it was a feel yeah. it was like the most euphoric feeling ever and just relief to be like, this is who I am, because we do grow up with compulsory heterosexuality and mm-hmm. societal norms are just you're expected to be hetero. So I don't know. And all of these things prevent us from our truth, you know, like you found your truth. When we decide that we get to be queer, and I never, I never, I appreciate so much that 
you're allowing your queer friends to influence your straight experience because I never want us as queers to be like gatekeeping the experience of freedom. You yes, know? Like, it's true. My straight sisters are still sexually oppressed. Like, let me tell you, you still deserve to express and find that freedom for yourself, you know? And so I hope that we can inspire you to find that freedom, you know? And so I love hearing that because all that it is is like, you helping yourself get closer to your truth. And whether it's your sexuality or your spirituality or your religious beliefs, it's like that feeling you had of like, oh, this is my truth and I'm gonna share it. And that was huge for you in your coming out story that you shared, like spirituality completely impacted how you finally came into who you were. But how do you feel like it impacts your life day to day now as like an openly proud queer person? How spirituality does? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean like, okay, I'll just tell you guys what my day was like, if you're curious. Please do. I, I woke up and took my dog for his walk and then I taught a yoga class and then I had about an hour to hang out. I gave an Akashic Records reading and then someone came over, I gave a Reiki session. And then I drove up north to sit with a Tibetan master and ask him questions for like two hours. And then I drove home and my girlfriend and I just like ate a little bit of dinner and I was like, I'm gonna go do a podcast, see ya. So it's like my whole, like, like today I'm like, whoa, switching from the Akashic realm to like giving Reiki to like receiving Buddhist teachings. I'm like, I am so deep in it right now. Everything, like everything, is spiritual and I think that's why it's so funny to me like when I meet people that are like oh I'm not spiritual and I'm like honey the good force of the earth is keeping that heart beating like I don't know yeah. what you think <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you but <laughs> yeah you know but um even a teaching that I received today that I really loved is that in Buddhism we don't believe that a god created the earth we believe that these interconnected karmic causes created everything, mm -hmm. you know? And so we can't even just say that like, it's one thing causing all of this. Of course. It's so much more complex. And speaking of God, I feel like the word spirituality is, is obviously often linked to religion and, and it, it is about religion as well. And that might deter queer people from diving into it and making spirituality more a part of their life obviously you know religion can be a touchy subject for a lot of queer people for like very obvious reasons what would you say to queer people who are a little bit maybe resistant or timid to the idea of getting spiritual because of the connotation that it has towards religion that is such an interesting question because you will find you will find spiritual places that aren't safe for queer people. And that's really, really difficult. I've never been the most sensitive person. And so I feel like things that maybe other people would be pretty triggered by, I've maybe let slide because I'm aware of people's ignorance. At the same time, that doesn't exclude anything. I was lucky enough, you know, the, the Buddhist community is extremely queer friendly, especially here in the West. This goes for like anyone looking for a spiritual space or a teacher or a guide. I would go into the space, leaving all of your identity at the door mm -hmm. and just how does it feel to be in there? Mm -hmm. If something doesn't feel right to you, you'll know. 
Yeah. And then you just like, and this is so much part of my path. Like I have gone to so many spiritual centers and just gave them an hour. And I'm like, I'm going to sit with you and see how this feels and see what comes up and, and, and allow that, you know, to come through leaving whatever your labels are behind and you'll find what resonates and you'll find what feels good. And I think no matter what, whether, whether it's a spiritual place, and this is something I'm constantly kind of almost policing myself for. If I'm ever in a situation where I feel like I need to cover up that I have a girlfriend, mm-hmm. like I find myself convoluting my words, it's probably not a safe space. I should probably like assess why I'm in that situation. That's so point. great. I know that's a really more generalized answer, but no, I think that's helpful. And and I, I mean, there are so many queer people who do find safe spaces in Christianity, for example. Like it really just depends on the on the practice. It depends on on the space, the physical space itself, the people around you. Mm-hmm. So I think it I think it's that's really great advice to just leave everything at the door. Yeah. And yeah. T- tap into your intuition. Yeah. Yeah. Like your guttural instincts is like big mm-hmm. ask you know if you want to walk up to the guy at the front and be like how do you feel about queer people like be that person because maybe your response maybe the response will be really really beautiful and you'll feel really loved and supported or maybe the response will be like maybe the person hasn't been asked that question and they need to think about if they're even creating safe space for queer people i had an experience like that over christmas my family was going to go to like a church event and i that we go to every year and for this was the first year where i thought hold on, I've never inquired about this church's feelings towards queerness, like never once. And I mm-hmm. reached out and they never got back to me. So I didn't go. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, guys, how, what is your church's stance on queerness? And they never got they back never to got, you. I mean, maybe they never got my yeah. email. But, any, and, but I do have to acknowledge that as a straight person, I definitely have a lot of security in reaching out and asking that question. I have like a mm-hmm. safety barrier around me to, you know, feel confident in asking that. But, and I love you for doing that. That's like yeah. what an ally does, you know? It's just a feeling, right? Just, you know what feels right and feels wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great point. Like, who knows if they've ever been asked that question? Yeah. Maybe no one's yeah. ever asked them that question before. Maybe, Maybe it's something that now they're they're secretly thinking about. They haven't told me. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like a year later, like, we've been thinking about your email. We have an answer. <laughs> We're sorry fun. it took you so long. We had to pray on it. From totally, we had to pray on it. <laughs> yeah. If that happens, I will share it with the pod because that would be incredible. Yes. If I made a little wave of change at Forest City Community Church in London, Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> We wanted to talk to you a bit about how we can all tap into our spirituality a little bit, especially when it comes to emotions, because we talk about this on the pod all the time. Queer people feel their emotions so strongly because they have to suppress them for so long, Yes, among with many other reasons. But what advice would you give for queer people and all people to tap into their emotions in a healthy, productive way, like through spirituality? I mean, the first thing I'm going to say is like, allow what comes up. And I know people like, don't love that answer. Like, like you got to feel the heal, man, you know? And, and I think I was telling someone about this the other day, like when I um, started treatment in college, my therapist gave me this sheet <laughs> that listed all of the emotions. Oh my God. I, I need to know that all the emotions. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that's your response. Cause when she handed me this, I was like, <laughs> what am I? Kindergarten? 
you know? I would have yeah. had the same reaction. Yeah. I would have been like, yeah, okay. Thanks. Yeah. Thesaurus.com. Yeah, she's like, can you point out what you're feeling right now? Mm-hmm. And then I started to realize, like, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, there's all these I, words I could use, and I don't know. And, and that's when I realized, oh, I can't even, like, describe my emotions. If you come to my class, like, any of my classes, like, first thing I'm going to have you do is, like, close your eyes, take a breath in. How's your body feel? Any emotions, any energetics present, any feelings? And where's your mind? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you're in like a meditation class or a retreat setting, like I'm going to have you journal about it. I'm going to have you write that down. Because what I learned is that if I could take time out of every day to just write down, this is how I'm feeling right now. Then one day you can realize like, I am very sad. I'm very sad. And then once we can identify the emotion, it's so much easier to just, okay, can I accept that I'm sad? Yeah. Wow. Why am I sad? And maybe give yourself a little pity party. Like, right, I'm sad because this happened and this and this and this. And Because that, you know? I feel like sometimes yeah. I have some toxic positivity. I don't Ooh. always accept that I'm sad, you know? Like, I try really hard. Oh, girl, it feels so good to just be sad sometimes. Like, just let it come through. Or I'll allow it, but I, I try very quickly to be like, okay, but then I have this going on and this going on and this, like, I don't mm-hmm. allow myself to just mm-hmm. be in the moment when I'm really sad because I'll think there's other things I should be happy about and should be grateful for. But sometimes that that's okay. Yeah. I know those things exist, but like you said, I should allow myself to just feel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you could even do something like check the time, like, okay, it's 940. Let's see if I still feel this bad by 10. Yeah. If at 1015, wow. you're probably, it's probably going to lighten up and you're going to be like, oh, I felt my way through that in like 30 minutes. And, and then you start, you start because what happens, and I think kind of what I just heard you say is like, I'm sad, but I've got to go do this and I have this today and I got to show up for this and I got that podcast. I got to be in a good mood for the podcast later. And if I get sad five hours earlier, I might be sad by the podcast later. You know? <laughs> Yeah. When like really, (laughs) really, if you just like gave yourself 10 minutes maybe to feel it Mm -hmm. and to cry or maybe listen to a song or maybe like call your mom, whatever it is that you do when you feel sad, then for the rest of the day, you're good because you let it move through you. Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's a big practice that I would give to anyone. And, and And I would say all emotions want to move through the body in different ways. So A, cry. Like, oh my God, please cry if you need to. Please let it out. That's a good one. You know, obviously you hear so many spiritual people like, go scream into a pillow. But like, you can totally do that if you need to. So, and this is where I'm getting into the way that we regulate our emotions. We can go two ways. We can upregulate them if we are really angry really frustrated and really agitated, that's when you need to upregulate your emotions. So one of my favorites is like, if you live in a city and you probably have a car because you might live in an apartment where screaming your head off might like cause some issues, go get in your car, turn on like the loudest, whatever, heavy metal, rock, you, whatever it is you want to listen to, drive around singing your head off until you feel like you get tired. Bring me back to life. Go home. Oh my god. Oh, you'd have to have two people so you can do the back and forth. No, I do both. I do both. One woman show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want to get yourself or like going on a really long run. You know, sometimes when people are angry, they'll be like, I'm going to go take a bath. And it's like, 
you're adding heat to your fire. Like you, mm-hmm. so uh, learning when to upregulate, maybe you go to a boxing class, something like that. Then learning when to downregulate. So you're feeling really stressed. You're feeling really overwhelmed. You're feeling really apathetic, hopeless. That's when you want to go for like yin yoga, a bath, a Reiki session, like a Makes calming sense. meditation, you know, something to help the energy move through you. It's actually very helpful. Yeah. I've never heard of upregulating or downregulating before. Oh, good. I'm glad I could Me teach you something. Yeah, girl. I mean, <laughs> that is a lot of things. I, I like guarantee I do the opposite regulating of what I'm supposed to do often. So that's mm-hmm. like, that. I, I'm going to put that into practice. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. We normally reach for um, what is already at the energy that we're at. So like you're feeling really, really energetic. You might keep on drinking coffee. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of a habit. So you can kind of notice like when you're feeling a certain way, what do you reach for? And is it counteracting or is it adding on to what you're already feeling? Right. Thank you for that. We're so grateful for your time. We do want to ask you really quick because, because we're so curious if, and this might be like too long of a definition, let us know, but we're just curious about both energy healing and the Akashic records. If you could maybe describe what both of those are and how they work. Yeah. So energy healing. So most of us know it as Reiki, energy healing. And it's the simple, very, very ancient idea that when you put your hands on a person and you throw some intention into it, you can help them heal. Jesus Mm -hmm. did it. The Buddha did it. There's lots of traditions where people lay their hands and create some sort of like even like a blessing and energy healing. And so energy healing, it's, you know, you, I, the thing with energy healing is that I think that you really got to, you really got to tap into feeling it. And I have done work on people where they're not totally feeling it and the energy isn't going to flow because there are blockages in the body. And that's why we need energy healing so that we can break up some of the blockages in the body. So I teach yoga as energy healing so that without any energy worker, you're clearing, you're opening the portals of the body and you're getting the energy flowing. That's why you feel so good after yoga because that's usually what's happening. Not all teachers teach with that intention, but that's what happens when you practice asana yoga. Also breath work is it's energy work through your body. Reiki, the specific practice of laying of the hands. Basically, I'll give you an idea of what happens. There's 18 postures that we put all over the body. And this is kind of what I'm teaching in the workshop I'm hosting at the end of the month. And what I'll do is I'll rub my hands together. And when you start rubbing your hands together, you feel the friction coming into the palms, right? And when you stop, you can kind of feel like a little bit of a tingling Mm. in the palms. So if you take that and you even like put your hands right over your eyes or over your head or over your heart, you can kind of feel that energy pulsing from the palms of the hands into the body. So that's something you can play with. It's something that I teach in my quantum Reiki healing sessions is just how to tap into that energy. And then you can use it to move energy through your body. And that's the point in which you you, you just got to feel it. And what happens when you're a practitioner, your friend who just became a master, her hands probably get really, really hot. And heat moves energy. And this is when like just the basic science of it gets in. So when her hands go on your body and the heat is moving the energy and she can feel where the energy is moving and where it's wanting to be moved. And we do kind of, I call it a full rinse where we just rinse the whole body of energy and it puts you 
in a really, really deep state. The receiver just goes into a really, really deep meditative state. And I facilitate that for you. So for people who struggle with meditation or have like just a lot of anxiety, really, really hard time relaxing, Reiki is a great way to get you into that meditative state. And how long is a typical Reiki session? About an hour. And I've had uh, a friend of mine did a Reiki on me once from afar through Zoom. How does that work? That's really interesting. It was interesting, yeah. So that is exactly why I created this special kind of workshop that I do because I could I could have you girls get Reiki with me and we would do it like this and you would lay down and I would just be like, okay, now you're feeling it. And like I'm sending you Reiki and it's happening because, well, we would have to get in the conversation of quantum physics and quantum time, but we can save that for another day to explain yeah. like how remote Reiki works. But when the, so when the pandemic started, people were reaching out for me to me for remote Reiki. And I was just like, I love re- that I can do remote Reiki, but I want to give you more tools. Like, I feel like a lot of Reiki masters, we, 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 we gatekeep all the tools and we're not sharing them. So I was like, I'm going to start teaching my clients how to do the Reiki self-healing practice that we do as practitioners while I'm sending you remote Reiki so that you can feel like you're tapping into your own energy healing practice and connecting with your own body. And it's turned into just like one of my favorite workshops to teach. Wow. that's so Because then you're getting it for yourself. You're touching your own skin, connecting with each chakra. You're moving the energy yourself. And then I'm remotely channeling it for the group and everyone in the group is kind of in that energetic field. I'm so curious about chakras in particular because I've heard people say like, oh, your throat chakra is blocked and that you can actually like physically feel that. I've even been told like my heart chakra was blocked at one point and I really forget who said that to me. This was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, but who I, told you that? <laughs> no, Start I, with you. Maybe, maybe. Okay. I, yeah, it did stick with me because I was like, what does that mean? Because I thought it was open, but they, they said they were able to sense that. It wasn't like a proper healer or anything though. Mm. Said it to me. So all of our chakras get balanced and imbalanced all of the time. Like most of us have some sort of imbalance in our, in our chakras. And that's what I love about sanctuary is that it, it basically helps you work through it. So that you can see like, like my girls would be like, oh, this chapter is really triggering me because it's like, you're realizing that your sacral chakra is like very closed up and you're like, oh, it's really, really, it's, it's scary work to face. Like if you're, if someone tells you that your heart chakra is really closed, I would tell you, who do you got to forgive? Who hurt you that you haven't let go of? And why don't you want to give unconditional love towards all beings? Hmm. And I would give you like, a list of homework to go through so that you can open that heart chakra. And with the heart, for example, it's going to be a lot of forgiveness work. Hmm. With with the throat, for example, it's going to be alignment. Like, are you who you say you are? Are you living in integrity with yourself? You know, like, are you mindful of your words? Are you an honest person? So each chakra just has so much energetic wisdom about what makes us like an aligned human that when we can work on them one by one we can learn so much about ourselves and our faults a lot of people have very closed root chakras simply because they don't know how to take care of themselves yeah sleep well they don't eat well their house is a mess closed up root chakra once we get that taken care of people start feeling a lot better (laughs) 
I could talk to you forever about this because there's so much <laughs> I still like want to learn about yeah, chakras. And I, I just think your sanctuary program just sounds so it almost sounds like perfect for beginners almost yeah, like would you yeah. because totally. it's almost like starting from the beginning of like exactly each point in your body and it is it's for like my average client who is in that class is usually early 20s just finished college think she's spiritual, which we all are. That's mm-hmm. what I hear. I think I'm pretty spiritual, <laughs> but doesn't know what to do next. Right. And so when like their first chapter homework is like, are you eating well? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you clean and tidy? They're kind of like, what is this? And like <laughs> basics first, Tony, like we're going to get there. We'll get to the heady stuff at the end. <laughs> oh. I love it so much. I've heard that a lot though, too, with like the tidiness and like just the taking care of yourself is a big thing and like making sure you're drinking enough water throughout the day or all of that. All Basic root that. chakra survival. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about the Akashic records a little bit? Oh, yes. Because of course, totally. we've never heard of them before. No, I didn't know what that was. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Akashic records are your soul's library of past, present, and future lifetimes. So like we're getting pretty heady here. So stay with me. So the idea, there is this idea in Ayurveda and in like most kind of esoteric Eastern studies that within the ether around us, like in between the air, there is this quantum field or there is this Akashic field and Akash in Sanskrit, it means sky. So it's like the, the field of wisdom that is around us. And so it's this understanding, it's the science that all of the wisdom is contained in the space around us. So this is where it gets kind of heavy. Mm. So if you wanted to get an Akashic Records reading, you would come to me and I would use your full name and I would ask for permission to see into your soul's records through the lords of your records through your guides. And anybody can do this, but because I've just done all of these practices and facilitations, I'm just very tapped into it. And so I would take you into a deep meditation, get you into the quantum akash, use the prayer to open your records, and then we're in there. And the idea is that you can ask anything. Today, my call was a yoga teacher who really needed like business strategy advice, like on her messaging. It's like, oh, I love business strategy through the Akashic Records. So we literally, we went in and she's been working with me for a while. So she's pretty tapped in and we were just asking questions and having like these direct messages come through. A lot of people come to ask me about past life experiences, find their purpose, help, you know, relationship help. Any, really, you can come in with anything. Um, energy healing is available within the records. Just being in the field is really, really healing for you. And so that's kind of the way that I use the Akashic records, but they're, they're, it's an age-old wisdom. Like they even say that the Buddha downloaded his teachings from the Akashic records. Mm. So wow. there's, there's wisdom available for us in the ether. And some of us just kind of tap into it. I'm not a psychic. I'm not a medium. I'm not doing any of that. I'm channeling just direct wisdom from your soul's records. So when these questions are being asked and the answers are being channeled, are they coming through you typically, or do they sometimes come through the person that you're working with as well? 
So before we go in, we get pretty intentional and we have a little chat and we get all the questions down. Yeah. Typically the receiver is staying pretty quiet and just receiving while I am asking the questions and then channeling the answers. Um, right. And then I have, I have a few friends who also read the records and just some stat students who are pretty tapped in that like, they'll start to pick up on it. And that's really fun when that happens, when they're like, oh wait, I'm seeing it too. Like I'm in there too. And we're kind of seeing the same message. That's so cool. I do, so I do readings on my podcast sometimes. So sometimes I'll have a friend or just myself and I'll just, I'll turn on my mic and just open the records for anyone listening. And I kind of ask you to give your consent through listening. Oh, nice. And so they're like, you know, it's like on the quantum. So you could go listen to them and like receive them in the moment that you're meant to. So we can all go experience what an Akashic record reading would be like on your podcast. Yeah. Okay. Very I'm going to cool. do that. Me too. Wow. Thank you so much for teaching us all of this. I definitely feel more like aligned with moving forward yeah. In, yeah. in life, like yeah. in terms of just like thinking more about spirituality. Yeah, definitely thinking about it so much more. Oh, one more thing I wanted to say. So sorry, but I was talking yeah. to Persis about this today. Do you watch Euphoria? Oh my gosh. Well, my girlfriend's been watching it, like okay. not with me. And so I feel like I've seen chunks of it. Right. <laughs> okay. So there is this one part in an episode that's all about um, a character named Jules. She's a trans girl played by Hunter Schaefer. We love her. She's amazing. And she's talking to a therapist. It's like a really long therapy session. And she's talking about her transness. And she says, my transness is spiritual. And it's not about God. It's not a. It's not even about like prayer or heaven. It's just about like the fact that it's mine and mine only, and that is a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. And I really, I felt that when she said it, and I just wanted to bring it up in this conversation because I think it really applies to everything we've talked about. I love that. Yeah, and I think people have laughed at me when I've asked them if like them being queer is spiritual to them, and they're like oh it's not like my whole life and I'm like oh, you know like I know but like it's you know it kind of it's it's such a big part of your expression and and again it just yeah it brings me back to that freedom and I love I love that I'm, I'm gonna go find that part of the show and watch it um but yeah I just it's uh, through what what that that line in that show it really makes me think of just how sacred your soul is and whatever the expression of your soul is that wants to be taken is mm -hmm. so sacred. And for a lot of us, that's, you know, ex being the, the queer pioneers and like expanding this frontier of freedom for everybody. So yeah. I love that. That's a beautiful note to wrap up the show on. That is. Thank you, Hunter Schaefer. I can't take any credit for it at all. Yeah. Actually, it was or most, the it was the writers, writers of Euphoria. <laughs> She was like, neither can I. <laughs> Hunter delivered. She really delivered the line. I'm yeah, she lie. delivered the line. She really did. Yeah. Is there anything else before we say goodbye that you want to say to the listeners? Anything else you want to plug about what you're offering or just about spirituality in general, about queerness? You know, it's funny because... I feel like I always say the end of my story is that I found the love of my life at the Buddhist temple, another gay girl that was there. And, and so, yeah, like, I, I'm like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like for like the lovers out there who are like, could I ever find someone 
that is so much like me. And, you know, I found that. And so I, I, yeah, I feel like I had to share like the happy ending to this. Obviously there were lots of happy endings, but I wanted to share the happy ending to the story. And um, if anybody, I mean, I don't know when the show is going to come out, but if anyone wants to, I'm pretty like booked through the spring. And my only offering right now is this workshop on March 20th. If anyone wants to come experience like a group Reiki healing session, they can reach out to me. I would love to have them. Um, And also just if anyone's listening to this and feeling inspired or feeling like they want to reach out to me, feeling like they want to connect, ask any questions, just let me know how they're doing. I love hearing from people of the earth. So (laughs) reach out to me. I'm here for you. I love all people and I'm here to support everybody. Oh, you have the most beautiful energy. Yeah, you are like a, a amazing soul. Yeah. Oh, you guys. We appreciate you guys are so sweet. And thank you for making your show. And I, from the first time I listened to your show, I was like, these girls don't know that I'm their best friend now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you reached out. You were like, I'm secretly your best friend. <laughs> that we instantly were like yep yeah of course we gotta talk but we're kind of the same like we just love talking to people and you know this is something we haven't explored yet and we're so grateful that we got to learn and we got to share this with our listeners they're gonna they're really gonna be grateful for this conversation i think they're gonna really love it um if you want to follow along with jane it's at jane of 801 and we'll link everything in the show notes for you guys and in our promo for the episode and um thank you for being you Hey, P. Hey, S. Uh, <clears throat> you look so cute. Aw. You're just sitting over there with your little hat. Thanks. Just and the my, podcasting. And my favorite new sweater. Yes. Purse got a new sweater and she loves it. It's very cute. It's very vintage. Also, Purse has got a whole new outfit that's very Gwen Stefani. It's like checkered red, like tight pants with like a Harley Davidson crop. It's like... It's a look. I was feeling it last night at numbers. Like, I was really in my element wearing that outfit. You were. And we had a dance party last night, so it all worked. But you know what didn't work, Persis? What? Disney responding to the Don't Say Gay Bill. That transition. Yeah, thank you so much. I am the transition queen. And our In Case You Missed It today is uh, all about Disney and Pixar. So what happened, P? Yes. So Pixar employees have released a statement alleging that Disney executives gutted scenes that showed same-sex affection in Pixar films. Guys, we talked about the Don't Say Gay bill. Y'all know what it is. If you don't know, look it up. That's not the actual name of the bill. It's just what it's been nicknamed. So then um, in response to the Don't Say Gay bill, Disney actually drew a lot of criticism for its response to the bill when it released a statement saying, the biggest impact we can have in creating a more inclusive world is through the inspiring content we produce, the welcoming culture we create here, and the diverse community organizations we support, including those representing the LGBTQIA community. And then Pixar was like, absolutely not. They were really annoyed by um, this Disney statement saying that they have an issue with this because in their experience, Disney has erected obstacles to create that inspiring content. Pixar has actually only depicted one LGBTQIA plus character in its feature-length film, 
Onward, which was released in 2020. And then other films such as Luca do have that queer representation, but Pixar still lacks those stories that actually like really do tell the like meaningful queer experience because Disney has been like cutting any scenes that show that same sex affection. Yeah. So the reason Pixar is mad is because Pixar, just so you guys are aware, Pixar is a subsidiary of Disney. So Disney kind of like owns Pixar Studios and Pixar has tried to put more queer representation in their movies and Disney has come as like the parent company and said no and cut queerness from some of the Pixar films. So it's not like Pixar hasn't tried. They've tried and Disney has literally like censored queerness. So Pixar, when Disney made that statement being like, oh, we're we're awesome, basically, (laughs) Pixar was like, no. You have... You're not. (laughs) You have completely, like, stifled queerness in our films and in our content. Um, And that's a pretty big deal. Like, that's a pretty big accusation, especially, like, think of it, guys. Disney owns Pixar. It's not like they're competitors, necessarily. Like, they are kind of one and the same. So that's a big deal for Pixar as its own autonomous company to come out and be like, Disney, we know you... That, you know, you own us, but you're lying. It's kind of bullshit what you're saying. Yeah, and I think it's pretty brave and um, important. The pressure from the public actually did work in this sense because just recently, like we do have an update on this, Disney CEO Bob Chapek, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, apologized for the company's silence on the Don't Say Gay bill. He So he apologized to all his employees, but especially to the LGBTQIA plus community at Disney, saying, it is clear that this is not just an issue about a bill in Florida, but instead yet another challenge to basic human rights. You needed me to be a stronger ally in the fight for equal rights, and I let you down. So now Disney will be halting all political donations in Florida and will undergo a review of their framework for political giving. I think it's great he apologized and stuff. I really don't, like, I think apologies are good, especially when they come from someone in, like, a place of power like that. But, you know, an apology doesn't bring more, like, it's kind of interesting that he didn't say we're going to um, look at our processes for how we censor queerness, basically. He didn't say that. He said we're going to look at how how we give to political organizations. So I don't think he, it's weird. He didn't like address the problem or the accusation. And so I think like an apology is only going so far. Who's going to acknowledge the censorship and then who's going to fix it? Because he didn't acknowledge the censorship in that, in that apology. Yeah. All he really says is like, there's more in this where he says, I know there is so much work to be done. I am committed to this work and to you all and will continue to engage with the LGBTQ plus community so that I can become a better ally. You will hear more about our progress in the coming weeks. That's good. I truly believe we are an infinitely better and stronger company because of our LGBTQ plus community. I missed the mark in this case, but I'm an ally you can count on, and I will be an outspoken champion for the protections, visibility, and opportunity you deserve. I like that a little bit more. Yeah, this is like the full statement someone posted. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like I like that he's I like that he's apologizing. He's he's owning up to it, and he's saying I'll be a better ally, and you can count on me. And, you know, he's just one man at the top of a company. Like, it's going to be a whole company-wide thing that has to change. I highly doubt it's him, the CEO of Disney, who's in the editing room being, like, cut the queerness from this movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably a company culture thing that has to be really turned around. Absolutely. So hopefully it is. And it's it's good that, like, 
this is hopefully sparking some change in the Disney's processes. Because Pixar, to me, has always seemed like a company that wants to push the boundaries a little bit and create content outside of the norm. Even things like Inside Out, remember that movie? It's all about emotions and mental health. I think they're trying to push the boundaries a little bit, and even with, like, Luca and Onward. So hopefully Pixar just gets more creative freedom to like tell more stories and have more voices included. Yeah, I, that's actually such a good point. I always admired Pixar for that. And even as an adult, like I genuinely, genuinely enjoy watching Pixar movies because sometimes it does feel like, you know, they are, they are touching upon like real issues. So I could only imagine like if these – if there's more rep in these movies and they're not being censored and we can actually like see the real deal – that's going to be like so such a game changer for kids to see that. I think this is all about kids being able to like have visibility and see themselves. And also I think this is a great lesson in like being like not just going with the status quo, like calling people out. It f- is hopefully forcing Disney to make some changes. Like that's a big deal. So good on Pixar. Yeah, Pixar Pixar making that statement, it means they're an ally. So, you know, part of being an ally is speaking up for a community when you need to and calling people out for not being good allies. This is what Pixar said. We at Pixar have personally witnessed beautiful stories full of diverse characters come back from Disney corporate reviews, shaved down to crumbs of what they once were. Nearly every moment of overtly gay affection is cut at Disney's behest, regardless of when there is a protest from both the creative teams and executive leadership at Pixar. I would be so curious to like see what those scenes were. Like, can we get a director's cut of whatever films were whittled down to not include queerness? You know what I mean? I know. Wow. Wow. Okay, well, I mean, CEO said there's going to be progress within the, in the next coming week. So if we get any update, we'll, like, include it on it in case you missed it moving forward. And hopefully, like, these are the, big, these are the biggest studios in the world creating the most visible content in the world for kids and for adults. They need, to, they need to be making changes and steps in the right direction, especially when there are bills like the Don't Say Gay bill being passed in Congress. And It's like, affecting kids. And anti-trans bills. All of this stuff is happening in the States. And, you know, Pixar and Disney are American companies. Like, it's just, you know, change has to happen now. Absolutely. So thank you, Pixar, for speaking up. Thank you for... Trying to imagine Pixar's listening. That'd be really cool. Make a movie about us. Oh, Sarah. Olivia will be our like sidekick. When I think we'd be kind of cute as a Pixar movie. Yeah. This is our narcissistic uh, tendency coming out. Our toxic trait is wishing we <laughs> we had a movie about us. But like, I think a cartoon version of us would be really cute. Really cute. What would what would the movie be called, guys? I feel like it would be called S N P. Downhill. What? Downhill. I don't know. We're going downhill. Person. I'm just kidding. Would people go watch it? Yeah, of course they would. And we would voice the characters. We would be become voice actors. Okay, well, thanks, Pixar. Um, let's get that going. Yeah, yeah. Shoot us a message when you're ready to start um, creating with us. And uh, yeah, we'll keep you guys posted with what happens with Disney. Hopefully we see some changes. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I love you. Love you. Oh my god, I almost said love you purse. Guys, I am podcasting with a true narcissist. Also, we've been talking about narcissism a lot this week, and I think we want to do like a an episode on like narcissism, selfishness, selflessness. So if you guys are interested in that, 
It's coming. <laughs> Love it. Okay, now we're going to go see a movie. Yeah, we're going to go live our best life. That's right. Going to get some popcorn, maybe. Do you guys want to come? Yeah, if you guys want to come. Hit us up. We're leaving in uh, uh, now. We're leaving now. So if you guys aren't ready, then we're going to leave. We actually got to go. Yeah, we got to go. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>